Whether you're the casual hockey observer or the epitome of a rabid Hawks fan, Blackhawks Live answers all your questions. It's just been a good sign this year that they all seem to be having fun, getting along, and working hard. I love those three things together. Joe Brand delivers the news, notes, and everyday gossip from the Madhouse on Madison. Here's Joe Brand. Well, if you missed this past weekend over at the United Center, you might have missed the best showing for the Blackhawks in terms of their overall success, not this year so much, but for the future that might have been on display this entire season. I'm Joe Brand. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Jack Heinrich is our producer, and we're pleased to have you here with us for another hour of just Blackhawks talk here on WGN Radio. The Hawks are coming off a winning streak. Yes, two straight victories against the Arizona Coyotes and then later on against the Calgary Flames. Obviously, the Arizona Coyotes and the Calgary Flames, two very different teams, but the Blackhawks finding a way to pull out wins in both of them. And the showing on Sunday against the Flames was kind of more of what we have seen in the beginning of this year from this team. Well, okay, I guess both games were, but... You take on a a struggling team like Arizona, you know you're heading into that contest with two points very available. It's not guaranteed, but it's pretty available. And even though the Blackhawks have struggled so much this year, I think a lot of fans felt that, and clearly the team did as well. But there's a difference for this team who has had to play up to their standards and hasn't. That didn't happen this weekend. They came out right out of the chute against the Arizona Coyotes, They scored first, and they didn't let Arizona score at all. A 22-save night for Alex Stalock. He earned his 10th shutout win of his career, uh, his first since 2020. But more importantly, it was a well-played game by the entire team. And for pretty much 60 minutes. Now, again, maybe you'd like to have a little bit more than just a one-goal lead over the Arizona Coyotes, but this Blackhawks team can't be picky about their contests. All they can do is present themselves a full 60-minute effort, and they did these past few nights. The game against Calgary, okay, they were outplayed in the second period, so maybe not a 60-full-minute effort, but they did a great job of limiting the damage, kind of weathering the storm. A few phrases that we used a lot at the beginning of this season for this Hawks team when they were on that four-game winning streak. I mean, Calgary outshot the Hawks 16-4 to in that second period, and the Flames had 21 shots on goal in their previous game, They ended with 44 last night at the United Center. The Flames are a team that, if you ask them and you ask their fans, yeah, they're probably struggling because they are expecting to not only make the playoffs, but make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, They lose Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason, but they get guys like Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri. Uh, they've got Daryl Sutter, who has a, a very, or quite the resume in the hockey world, not to mention a former Blackhawk. But they had gotten off to a rough start, and they began a five-game road trip last night here in Chicago. And they probably thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to jump off to a good start on this road trip and pick up two points. They picked up one point, but the Blackhawks definitely tested them. And I think the coolest thing about the night was when Daryl Sutter pulled Jacob Markstrom in the second period, in the first minute, mind you, 
after Lucas Reichel set up Philip Kurashev to give the Hawks a 3-1 lead, a two-goal lead in the first minute of the second period. Uh, Daryl Sutter pulled Jacob Markstrom and brought in Dan Vladar. It was not Jacob Markstrom's fault for the majority of those goals. He was just trying to shake up and wake up his team. Now, the Flames did respond. They did tie up the game about halfway through the second period. So that move did work out for them. But again, 16 shots in the second period alone. The Blackhawks did a great job of making most of those shots coming from the perimeter, not allowing the, flame, not allowing the Flames to win those battles down low and get those greasy, hard-working goals. It had happened... But Calgary's three goals last night, two were on the power play, and they came, I think, in the first minute of the power play. The lone goal that came at even strength was a winning faceoff in the Hawks zone, Huberto in the slot, and just is able to swat it past Alex Stalock. The Blackhawks were able to play their game, limit the damage, squeeze out one point, and then once it gets to an overtime, it's a three-on-three. It's kind of a crapshoot. The Blackhawks do have a few very offensively skilled players, one of them being Lucas Reichel, who we're going to talk a lot about tonight, who I believe had his best NHL game, scratch that, his best hockey game of his career. And no, I have not seen every single game that Lucas Reichel has played. I've seen a few of them. I went down to Rockford and did a few games. And of course, I've seen the few, the 14 total that he's played here in the NHL. When you think of it, a three-point night in an NHL game, he picks up his first NHL goal, that's at the highest competition. He was on a roll. He was confident with the puck. He was selfless with the puck. The overtime game winner that he set up Max Domi, that's a selfless pass. He had been feeling it. He was looking for multiple goals that night. He's coming down the crease, a two-on-one. And he can just go right ahead and shoot it. But instead, he went to Max Domi. He was waiting on the other side for maybe Domi to pass it back. But then Domi took it himself, slotted it in. Blackhawks win back-to-back games for the first time since late October. It was a fun couple of nights at the United Center for more reasons than one. But two wins is huge for this team to show what they're capable of. In no way am I saying two wins is going to turn around this team and here we go playoffs. We still understand that this is year one of a rebuild. We still understand what this Blackhawks organization is going towards. But I want everyone who comes at me on the text line or the call line about how this team doesn't try, about how... This team uh, doesn't care about the game or care about winning. They just showed you on back-to-back nights that they are capable of beating other teams. And I get it. Arizona's not a great team. Calgary's a good team. Earlier this year, the Blackhawks beat the New York Rangers. That's a good team. They are capable of doing it, but it takes a lot. And that's okay. Because, again, it's year one of a rebuild. There is a plan right now. You might not agree with the plan, but there is a plan. And there is a thoughtful process of it, and there is a way that Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks are attacking it. And right now, it looks like it's pretty much on schedule. We'll get to more of that. We'll talk about Lucas Reichel, again, his best hockey game of his career. And we're also going to talk to Kevin Korczynski a little bit later on, too. This is Blackhawks Live, 720 WGN. This is the song that they used to play, well, they still do, when Jonathan Taves, the number one star... He'll skate out to the ice at the United Center. No, no, wow, this is the Beach Boys. This is fun, fun, fun. I thought this was Johnny B. Good. Oh, man. Oh, 
Do we have Johnny B. Good? Can we can we play that? No, we we don't have to go and search for that. But oh man, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people were uh, immediately knowing that I was wrong. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for leaving the cursor over the uh, the name of the song. So that just totally threw me off. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I know that Johnny Be Good and Fun, Fun, Fun by the Beach Boys are two different songs. Um, won't get into that. Well, we will get into this next segment sponsored by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get. Uh, don't bet on my uh, musical knowledge. But uh, we're talking about a fun couple of games for the Hawks over the weekend. I said it before, Lucas Reichel playing his best hockey game of his career. And that doesn't mean his most productive. That doesn't mean the most points he has earned in a contest. It means his best game of his hockey career because he's playing at the highest level that you can possibly play on the earth, and he performed at his highest potential. I'm going to say this. I was really impressed with what Lucas Reichel was able to do over the weekend, but especially last night. I said earlier, I've been going down to Rockford Uh, doing some of those games, seeing Lucas Reichel play on a more consistent basis. I won't say a daily basis. It wasn't every single game. But during those games, you can tell that Reichel is one of the better players out there. You can tell he's he's one of the top six, if not the top three, if not the top one for the Rockford Ice Hogs, or even in the entire game. But I, I will say that you never quite saw him always being super assertive with the puck or or just blowing the competition away. I know he ha- I know he's capable of that. I know that's there. I know that because scouts have said that the Blackhawks have put a lot of stock in his talent, but I, I was always just kind of waiting for it. And I I did even do a game where Reichel scored the only goal of the game and scored the only shootout goal of the game and that was ironically the next day after he rejoined Rockford after being over in New Jersey. Uh, and filling in for Jonathan Taves, just kind of a spot situation. This was a couple of months ago. But I bring this up because you got to be patient with these guys, and you got to be patient with prospects. And I think last night was an example of the Blackhawks having a pretty good grasp on this, at least so far, from everything that we've seen. They scout a good player, they're excited about him, they bring him over to the Hawks organization. Last year, they bring him up for a bit. They give him a taste of the NHL, but a little bit more than a taste. What can we, can we call it? A nibble? Can we, can we call it a small bite? Yeah. Is there anything in between a nibble or a, a, a taste and a nibble? No. Or a taste? I think it's the same. Okay. Taste. All right. So we'll go with a small bite of the NHL. Again, that's Jack Heinrich, our producer. He plays in 11 games. He knows he's going to start the following year in Rockford. But hey, maybe you can make things tough on the front office. Maybe you can really show something in the preseason. It didn't quite happen, but that's okay. He's still 20 years old. He's still got plenty of time to develop. Now, last night, that is the best game that he's played. It's got to be, right? Again, NHL level, three points, first NHL goal. But more than that, just, just what he was able to do with the puck, how comfortable he was. And we even saw a little bit of that on Friday night. There were a few times he had the puck in the corner, and he goes with these backhanded, backwards, no look through the leg passes. He nearly set up Max Domi and a beautiful pass over in the Coyotes zone. And another goal where Domi and Reichel nearly matched up. Kaylee Chelios and I were talking about this yesterday. Reichel's like 
Reichel's on the right side of the net. And Domi's got the puck in behind the net. He comes up and around to the left side of, I believe Ladar was in net for the Flames at that point. So up and to the left side of the Flames net. And he goes for a backhanded, slim, tough angle pass for Lucas Reichel on the other side of the net. And it, it's almost like, huh, why are you, why are you making that pass? It, it, it's easily, it can be easily broken up. It's, it's not a sure thing. And it's not even it's not a shot on goal. It's 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 one of those pinpoint passes that we we are often actually critical about the Hawks offensively trying to get too cute. But Kaylee Chelios was was just surprised that Domi pulled off that pass and how spectacular of a goal it almost became if Reichel had connected. And then I brought up the point: Domi is putting the trust in Lucas Reichel to do something with the puck in that tough scenario. I mean, he, he's got the faith that Reichel can do something right there. And I, I wish I had a highlight clip. I don't have Charlie Romeliotis's, uh capability of just, just clipping videos. Um, but again, it was a tough angle pass from Domi on the other side of the net, and Reichel nearly cashed it in. So again, it's it's his confidence level last night. It's him being able to do the offensively skilled things that he is capable of, and showing it at the NHL level last night, I think was huge. And he's also just, he, he, he gets a lot of good guy points, right? He, he's a happy, smiley, humble kid. He's very understanding of what the Blackhawks are doing with him right now. And I also think that's a credit to what the Hawks are doing. They're being, they're being very transparent with all their prospects, but especially Lucas Reichel. And they're constantly in touch with them of where they expect them to be, what they expect from them on the ice. And Reichel's just going with the plan. He's not getting too antsy, at least from what we know, at least from what he's talking with to the media. But I know down in Rockford, they're pleased with him there. And he's enjoying his time in Rockford for multiple reasons. And a few of them are, Rockford's really good right now. They're having a fun time going for the playoffs. They're winning a lot of games. They're winning a lot of close games, and they're just playing in a lot of close games. So there's almost always a ton of competition. But there's a lot of internal competition, too. There's a lot of talented players down there, offensively and defensively. And Reichel's really enjoying his time. So now he shows what he can do at the NHL level. Is that going to be consistent and guaranteed each and every night? No, of course not. But... The reason he came up is because Patrick Kane was unavailable the last couple of games. And the Hawks have said multiple times they're not going to pull up Reichel unless he has an opportunity to play some top top six minutes, maybe some power play time. That's why he's only filled in for Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Now Kane is expected to come back Thursday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Do we see Patrick Kane or do we see Lucas Reichel? Well, Luke Richardson said that nothing's guaranteed, but... There's definitely more thought of keeping Reichel up here now, and then maybe you just get creative with their forwards and and the lines and, and try to figure out where he slots in at that point. But now I think you definitely got to leave him up there for at least one more game after the game that he just had. I mean, at least at least let him ride that momentum in the NHL for another game at least. See how he fares Thursday night against Colorado, against a really good team. But now, 
Colorado's a big team. That's another reason why they've kept him down in Rockford. They don't want to pull him up against some big bruiser team that can knock him around, but you have the benefit of getting the last lineup change with uh, having him playing in a home game, and that's why he's played 12 out of his 14 games at the United Center because the one thing they want him to do is bulk up, strengthen up, and gain more confidence and still play his game, his speed game, his offensively talented game. It was really cool. It was really cool to see. Great to see for the Hawks' future, and hopefully fans are starting to understand a little bit more of why the Blackhawks are going in the direction that they're going towards right now. Kevin Korczynski is another reason of that. He's the guy that the Blackhawks drafted 7th overall after obtaining the pick from the Ottawa Senators in the trade for Alex Dabrinkit. So a lot of people are going to comb that trade and look at it as Dabrinkit for Kevin Korczynski. It's much more detailed than that. We won't know who quote-unquote won the trade until five years or so, maybe even more than that. That's just not how trades work when you acquire a draft pick. But the great thing about Kevin Korczynski is he's a, he's a great defenseman, but he's a great offensive defenseman. And the Blackhawks have gone more towards the route of drafting defensive defensemen, but this kid surprised a lot of people at prospect camp, joined the Hawks for a couple of preseason games, and made the World Junior roster, put up seven points, or I take that back, four points in seven games, a goal, three assists. He played with Connor Bedard, We've talked about a lot, the guy that everyone is going for, who's at least all the teams that are trying to rebuild right now, but especially the Blackhawks. So he got to play with Connor Bedard. He got to play with a few of his Blackhawk teammates in terms of prospects, and he just improved his overall game playing at that type of competition, that type of tournament. We're going to talk to Kevin Korchinski next. Talk to him about the World Juniors, a little bit about Colton Dock, a little bit about Connor Bedard, and a little bit about Kevin Korchinski himself. I'll warn you, we're going to go bit by bit from our interview. It was pre-recorded. Audio can be a real pain in the neck sometimes, so uh, Jack Heinrich and I were slaving away and chopping up audio uh, right before the show, so hopefully it's at least durable to uh, listen in for a few minutes, but I think he says a lot of cool things, a lot of interesting things, and a lot of important things for the Blackhawks organization moving forward. So Kevin Korchinski joins us next on Blackhawks Live, but first we've got to get to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom with Steve Ruxton here on 720 WGN. That's pretty cool. I didn't know we're getting Will Purdue every Wednesday here on WGN Radio on the Lisa Dent Show. Got to fill in for Lisa Dent. Last week, was it? Last week, uh, during holiday radio, we'll call it, because during the holidays, all the all the important hosts get to take off, and uh, it turns into uh, fill-in week, and I uh, was pleased to fill in for Lisa Den. It was a fun time. Unfortunately, I couldn't catch Lisa on the way, on her way out of the station today. I was on the phone, so Lisa, if you're listening right now, can't wait to hear Will Purdue, but uh, sorry I missed you on your way out. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live, taking you up to 8 o'clock tonight as we... Talk about the Blackhawks' previous week, but we're coming off two victories to talk about for the Blackhawks against the Arizona Coyotes, a 2-0 shutout, and then last night, a fun 4-3 overtime winner against the Calgary Flames. But instead of talking about the past in this segment, we are going to talk about the future, and one of those guys being Kevin Korchinski. Again, he was the Blackhawks' first pick in the past draft. They entered, if you remember, they entered that draft with no first-round picks. They left with three. And Kevin Korchinski was the first guy they picked up, seventh overall, 
uh, acquired from the Ottawa Senators, uh, the draft pick that is acquired after trading Alex to bring it over. But uh, Kevin Korczynski was was almost looked at as maybe a bit of a stretch for the Hawks when they first got him. Then the prospect camp came, and he was really impressing a lot of people. Again, showing off his offensive skills on defense and just doing a lot of the right things, just, just looking like he belonged. And he looked like he belonged so much that the Hawks had him playing a couple of preseason games. So he, he looked really good then, but he's also coming off a gold medal in the World Junior Championship with Team Canada, with a couple of other fellow Blackhawks prospects, but he also got to play with Connor Bedard, who many hockey fans know, most sports fans know, and, and some of the general public knows, but if you don't, Connor Bedard is looked at for being the next generational talent in the hockey world. And that's why so many teams are so high on him to draft him this upcoming year. That's why, or I should say, that's one of the reasons why the Blackhawks are going in this direction of a rebuild right now. And I know everyone is all gung-ho about the Bears getting the overall number 1 pick, and rightly so, and thank you, Lovey Smith, and yes, I was pleased with everything that happened yesterday. But it's not the same in the NHL. You're not guaranteed the number one pick, even if you have the worst record. Uh, I got chewed up at the text line not too long ago saying that, you know, everyone thinks we're going to just guarantee uh, Connor Bedard for the Blackhawks if if we fall in last place. No, I get it. It's a lottery. You get an 18.5% chance of landing the first overall pick when you do have the worst record. But... Okay, that's your best opportunity to land Connor Bedard. And again, it's it's not that always oh, a great player. People are calling him a generational player, a generational talent. And honestly, if if you are Kyle Davidson moving into this year, trying to make sure that this Blackhawks team is set for sustained success moving forward, I think this is the route you have to go. But for right now, a piece that they do have is Kevin Korczynski. He just won gold at World Juniors for Team Canada, and this is how he felt it went, his first experience winning it. We were on the bench, we were just watching, and it was going back and forth, back and forth. When Gunnar scored, we just were in shock. It was just like, like what just happened? And I think Matchy, like, literally standing up on top of the boards, it was crazy. And then love rowing up in the air, and uh, just so much excitement. And the crowd was so loud, it was crazy. Uh, it was something that I'll never forget. So again, we had a full conversation with Kevin Korczynski, and thank you to him, thank you for the Blackhawks. Unfortunately, on our end, the recording uh, situation wasn't at its best. Sometimes technical difficulties can be a a real buzzkill, and tonight is the case. So Jack Heinrich and I, our producer, just uh, chopped it up as best we could, pulled the best answers, and uh, sometimes had to piecemeal his answers. But we never took any of his answers out of context. You just might miss a word or two because... It literally sounded like he had a bullfrog right next to the phone. All of a sudden, you just hear this randomly. And if I played that for 10 minutes, nobody would be listening right now. So we're getting the best of Kevin Korczynski. We're playing the hits, uh, even though he hasn't played an NHL game yet. But he had a lot of good stuff to say. And I remember once Jonathan Taves talking about how important it was for him to play in these types of tournaments like the World Juniors, how how it helped elevate his game because it, it's it's a high level, it's, it's high intensity, there's a lot of fans there, they're really loud, and you're playing for pride. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into that. Sometimes people think, oh, it's our prospects should be protected, they shouldn't be 
um, you know, endangering themselves by playing in these things. Obviously, Kirby Doc uh, caught an injury, and then his brother, ironically, Colton Doc, who's now in the Blackhawk system, also suffered an injury. We'll talk to Colton. We'll talk to Kevin Korchinski about Colton Doc a little bit too. But um, for the most part, I think it does a lot more positive for prospects than negative. And here's how it positively impacted Kevin Korchinski. Yeah, I think so. I think to embrace the challenge, those really big games, games against the U.S. And it was a big stage. And obviously, your country behind you, every goal, hearing loud and really special and elevates your play. So being in those big crowds, it's something that you can learn from with you to the next level. You can kind of hear the bullfrog there. And again, I'm sorry. I, I really wish I could just play this full 10-minute interview. But again, for the sake of being able to listen to it, it's just better this way. Uh, I preface the next question. <laughs> Kevin, I'm not going to only talk about Connor Bedard during this interview, but I got to ask you about him. It's it's the elephant in the room. What's it like playing with Connor Bedard? Bedsy, he's a great hockey player. Yeah, he uh, he won us some of those games. So, yeah, everything he does, pro with it, um, off the ice, on the ice, he, he wants to be the best, does everything he can to be the best. And, yeah, just a great guy off the ice, too. He's to come talk to you about anything. So it was just great to play with a guy like that. If you didn't watch the championship game when Team Canada won gold, one of the interviewers is talking to Connor Bedard, and he, she starts asking about his individual performance or something along those lines. And Connor Bedard just goes, you know, I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about this team. I want to talk about how great this team is and, and how great we are together. So you like that. You got to like that. And uh, that seems to be pretty consistent when people talk about Connor Bedard, not just his talent on the ice, but what type of player he is, too. Uh, Kevin Korchinski did echo those sentiments. And I, I do think that's important because you play with a whole bunch of talent in these high intense tournaments you you learn how to obviously succeed obviously elevate your play but you also learn how to kind of consolidate your play and make sure you're you are performing the best that you can in the best way that doesn't always mean you know go ahead and try to score as many goals as possible you're playing with a lot of talented people so you got to find the right way to utilize your skill set so that they can utilize theirs. But Kevin Korczynski said there was so much talent on that team, it just kind of came naturally. Just kind of letting it come to me, not forcing things. We had a lot of talent on that team, so you didn't have to kind of go out of your way to try and create. You just kind of trust your team. Selfless with the puck, the play will come to you. So I think everybody contributed in different ways defensively, so um, it was good. Kind of want to go back quickly to when he was talking about Connor Bedard. One other thing he did say about Connor Bedard yeah, I guess uh, playing with that guy on a consistent basis would be awesome. I think I think anybody who has played with Connor Bedard would probably say that, but just uh, it's cool to dream. It's fun to dream, right? Uh, Kevin Korczynski does not have to dream about playing with guys like Nolan Allen, Ethan Del Mastro, and Colton Dock, all Blackhawks prospects, all on Team Canada. So we got to gel with those guys a little bit more, too. On the ice, you kind of relax. You don't have to be so uptight. Um, you can have conversations with them and joke around. So being in a, a tournament like this, to know them even better. So, yeah, it, uh, it kind of helped to know them. And just playing with them, playing with kind of that chemistry factor. He did say that Colton Doc is going to take some time right now to nurse his injury. Again, it was his right arm being pinned along the boards in a game a few weeks back. Uh, just rough to see because, again, the Hawks and Hawks fans went through this exact scenario with Kirby Doc a few years back. And, you know, it's it's tough to say how much of an effect that had on Kirby Doc's success in Chicago or maybe lack thereof when the Hawks parted ways with him. That's just all kind of water under the bridge right now. But you do hope that Colton Doc is able to 
utilize his this time off rehabbing this injury, making sure everything goes okay with it. Because he's another guy that was raising a lot of eyebrows during prospect camp. He, he's a guy that had worked a lot about it, worked a lot on his offensive skills, but just kind of his explosiveness. Just not being afraid to just take the puck and go. And he actually did that in one of those prospect games against the Minnesota Wild. I'll never forget that. I think it was in the first 30 seconds of the game. Uh, he unfortunately left later on due to concussion protocol, so he's had a, a bit bit of a rough couple of months, but so far it doesn't seem like it has given him too many speed bumps. Uh, we talked earlier about Lucas Reichel's transparency with the Blackhawks and vice versa, how both those parties are transparent, communicative, just on the same page at all times. And this is different. I shouldn't say it's different. I should say the path of the prospects is different for the Blackhawks in years past. I mean, Kirby Doc spent no time in Rockford. I think he played three games and they were in a rehab setting. Uh, The previous general manager, Stan Bowman, was more tuned to bringing guys up quickly to show what they could do at the NHL level to maybe gel with this good team. And sometimes that jumped the gun. Sometimes that would stunt guys' growth. And again, I think last night, Lucas Reichel's ability against the Calgary Flames is a prime example of how being patient with guys and slow with guys is important. Kevin Korchinski talks about how he and the Hawks have been communicating since he was drafted by the team. Before the World Juniors, there's a lot of kind of talks about um, how my game is, uh, stuff I can do to improve it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it kind of, um, obviously the World Juniors really kind of kind of left me, say, a bit alone, just kind of have that, you could say, focus on just strictly the team with this so that, yeah, all of our focus are there. So yeah, um, but now I see how we're going to have a lot of talks now in terms to kind of reflect on it. So the Hawks are doing a good job of kind of letting him breathe in an important tournament like that, but also keeping an eye on him as well. Uh, I've heard other people talk before, too, how other prospects, I should say, how uh, guys like Brian Campbell in the front office are just shooting texts to guys every once in a while. Hey, how's this going? How are you working on that? And I think that's important because you're kind of, and again, this is just speculation off of uh little communication methods that I've heard about. But let's face it, I mean, you're, you're a prospect in the Blackhawks organization. You got somebody from the front office just keeping tabs with you. Not in a authoritative way, not in a punitive way, but just in a, hey, how's it going? Uh, are you working on this? How, how are you feeling about this? And I, I think that that can go far in multiple ways. So it's nice to hear that that's even starting with guys who aren't even in Rockford right now. They're they're playing in the WHL, which Kevin Korchinski is with Seattle right now. But Korchinski's a guy that is a perfectionist, he calls himself. He wants to make sure he's always improving. And even though he's doing a lot right now and succeeding a lot, he still thinks he can improve his game in a couple of ways. I'm a perfectionist. I like to try and improve everything. So whether it's uh, offense, defense, lane transition, um, skate, shooting, passing, I, I want to be the best at all of it. So, um yeah, I think that's something like in the small skills you got to work on. So, yeah, after practice with the backhand passes, um, picking pucks off walls, just little things that can make a whole a whole difference at the pro level. You don't have as much time. So if you can kind of perfect those things, you can um, create time and create more plays. So it just seems to be like a kid with his head on right, understands where he's at in this organization, understand what his short-term and long-term goals should be, and, and understand what he needs to work at right now. 
something off topic of hockey that he said he likes to do. He, he picked up this hobby just during World Juniors. One is a hobby that I kind of picked up there was ping pong. They, uh, we had a ping pong table everywhere we went, and I, I never played ping pong before. We got some pretty heated games, so I'm starting to do that. And we got a, we actually got a ping pong table in Seattle, so I know to get back there. Um, me and Millich and Schaefer and some other guys are going to go at it again. It's kind of funny how ping pong brings so many different athletes together, or so many different teams together, I should say. There's a lot of baseball teams that have a ping pong table in their clubhouse. There's a lot of, uh, I think, football and basketball teams have it too. I, at least I, I've seen it before in, in like college locker rooms. Um, but it makes sense. I mean, it's it's an activity where you can get a, a good little cardio going, Not don't need that much space, and it's competitive. Um, Kevin Korczynski said he, he hasn't really played tennis. He's fooled around with it before. He's hasn't played pickleball, which apparently is growing like crazy, and I think I might need to start following along with it for some reason just because, I don't know, doesn't LeBron have a team or something like that? Yeah, I think him and KD invested in the league. I guess there's a league. Where's all this pickleball money coming from? I don't from? know. <laughs> like, are we behind the eight ball for not knowing much about pickleball? I think so. I've played it like once. You've played pickleball? Yeah. Where? Just You can play it at a tennis court. Did you? Who did you go with? Just some friends, and family. Just out of the blue, hey, want to play pickleball? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, really? we got we got pickleball rackets for Christmas, so we gotta <laughs> we gotta use those at some point. From your parents? Yeah. Wow. All right. Family outing. Well, did you mention anything about pickleball before you got that for Christmas? Nope. Well, Jack, here's a pickleball racket. Now pick up a new hobby. <laughs> Get out of the house. Exactly. Well, he said he he's played. A little bit of tennis, hasn't played it for reals, um, hasn't played pickleball. I mentioned how Lucas Reichel is a big tennis player. Uh, Kevin Korczynski also talked about how he played baseball growing up. Said he liked to be an outfielder, but he really liked being a pitcher. But his coach wouldn't let him pitch a lot because he was always missing practice because of hockey. Uh, but he gets to use his speed out there in the outfield a little bit more, so it's it's more fitting for him. So again, big thanks to Kevin Korchinski. Big thanks to the Blackhawks. I apologize to you, the listener, not being able to get that whole 10-minute interview in its entity. I'm pretty sure Jack and I did a decent enough job of pulling out the meat and potatoes of it, though. Um, the important things that he said. Again, just a technical difficulty on our end. I think I'm done with this website I've been using to uh, improve the audio quality to get the other person's uh, conversation, and I'll just go back with the traditional phone line that we all rely on and we can all uh, trust in. We've got one more segment of Blackhawks Live. The business of hockey comes next in our final stop here on 720 WGN. Little earth, wind, and fire to take us into our final segment here of Blackhawks Live. I'm Joe Brand. Jack Heinrich is our producer. And it's time to bring you the Business of Hockey, which is sponsored by ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. Uh, the Business of Hockey. The, ho- the Hawks are home for a whole nother week. They don't hit the road until January 19th when they visit Philadelphia. But they're going to be home Thursday night, Saturday night, and Tuesday night against the Buffalo Sabres. So some fun, good competition coming to town. The Blackhawks did beat Seattle already this year. They gave Colorado a decent enough game on opening night. Actually, yeah, that's true. That's going to be the first time they see the Avs, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, since opening night uh, this upcoming Thursday. So, again, Business of Hockey is sponsored by the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. Uh, The Hawks coming off two straight wins, their first two wins of the new year. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the Blackhawks have actually scored first in every game of 2023. They're 2-2-0 during that stretch, but uh, nice to see that trend going along. Um, And we also want to welcome in our 
newest sponsor of Lotsa Matza Pizza, and it's sponsored by Brew Pubs of Lotsa Matza Pizza. It's who's bringing the cheese and who brought the cheese last night. Lucas Reichel at the United Center. Padre picks up the loose puck in the near half wall. Lost it to Lucas Reichel above that near circle. Kicks it on out to Seth Jones for the left point. He throws one on that. Loose puck in front, and they knock it in. And it's Lucas Reichel with his first NHL goal. Right on the doorstep. Hawks lead 1-0 right out of the game. Well, I, I just do want to say, yeah, I got to fill in for John Wideman the past couple of games. I don't want to make this about me. It was... An incredible honor. It was very, very cool. A dream come true. I, I was lucky enough to call the Sox game last year. Now I got to call two and a half hockey games over the weekend. Just very, very cool. Very honored. And uh, just want to make sure everyone knows that John is on the mend. His voice is rehabbing. He is getting better. And he should be back on Thursday. And I can't wait to see John Weideman back to doing what he does best. And I uh, couldn't thank him more for the support and positivity filling in from the past couple of nights. But yes, Lucas Reichel had been bringing the cheese. Again, sponsored by Brew, t- Brew Pubs of Lots and Mots of Pizza. And welcome to Blackhawks Live, Brew Pubs. Um, we- we've kind of salivated about Lucas Reichel all night long. But I don't know, Jack, w- were you impressed with his efforts on Sunday? Yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, his, I mean, it started Friday when they called him up. He was buzzing around, but he didn't score. But yet he got the early goal, and I think that set the tone for him. And after the game, it was funny. He's, like you said, such a likable guy. He's, like, laughing in the locker room. They asked him if he thinks he did enough to make him stay. And he's like, uh, I don't want to get in trouble. But and he just started <laughs> laughing. But he's like, I want. I, I obviously want to stay up here. But uh, I, I think it's good that he forced their hand to at least have the conversation. It sounded like the way Luke Richardson phrased it was like, we're going to talk about it, but it sounded like he's going to be here on Thursday. And that's what you're looking for in a season like this. You want to see your young guys perform. Soderblom's been good when he's played as well. And he looks like he can maybe be in the mix in the future. Reichel, see how he rides with this wave. But that's what you're looking for with young guys that will stick around. Yeah, Reichel's a clever guy. I mean, he's fairly quick-witted. So yeah. It's kind of nice to see that, too. Um, good guy, good hockey player, and even though English isn't his first language, he's still pretty quick. Yeah, he is, and he's he's always smiling. It's funny, <laughs> always smiling in the locker room. Well, hopefully more smiles from Lucas Reichel if we do get to see him in a Hawks uniform for another night, but hopefully just more smiles overall at the United Center. As the Hawks look for three straight wins, it'll be tough against the reigning Stanley Cup champs, but we'll just have to wait and see. So that next broadcast is at 7.30, the pregame show at 7 o'clock on Thursday night right here on 720 WGN. Big thanks to Kevin Korchinski. Big thanks to the Blackhawks for helping us set up that interview. For our producer, Jack Heinrich, I'm Joe Brand. This has been Blackhawks Live. Steve Ruxton has your news next. After that, it's John Landecker here on 720 WGN.